Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Gina Bianca podcast, where we talk about life, business, entrepreneurship, the beauty industry, and beyond. My name is Gina Bianca, life and business coach, salon owner, educator, mastermind mentor, and your host of the Gina Bianca podcast. This podcast is brought to you by The Network Salon. The Network Salon is a 10,000 square foot booth rental salon located in Southington, Connecticut. The network is absolutely amazing. If you're a new guest looking for a stylist, go to our site, thenetworksalon.com and click book now to be matched up with the artist for you. If you're an independent artist looking to make a move and come work with us at The Network, we do have a couple of stations left after our expansion and then we are full. We hope to meet you soon. Visit our website, thenetworksalon.com and click career to download our network career PDF. We can't wait to see you soon and hope you have an amazing day. What is up everybody and welcome to the Gina Bianca podcast. Today I'm interviewing another one of my mentors, Odette Skako. She is amazing. She is one of the influences in my life. And she is the owner of Salon Odette in Middlebury, Connecticut. They've been open for 21 years. And Odette is a savage boss employee-based salon owner. And they're, the cream is rising to the top, everybody. And there are a lot of incredible salon owners. And Odette is one of them. And I'm just so excited to have this conversation with her. Number one, to catch up because I haven't gotten to connect with her in a while. But to really share not only what it takes to be an incredible boss leader mentor in the salon, but just how she got here, maybe some challenges and really just to introduce you to someone who has been a mentor for me. So Odette, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Very excited and nervous. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're going to be amazing. It's fine. You're the best. Um, I like, I want to just share how we know each other just to give some context. So back in 2012 or something, I was opening GBH and I was like all over the place. And I don't know, maybe you remember Odette, like how we actually met. Maybe it was Facebook, but like you were like literally like an angel over my shoulder, just like kind of like she would slide into my Facebook DMs and be like, how's it going? (laughs) And I was like, thank you for asking. Actually, all of this is going on. What do I do? And she was just like an angel for me, like just giving me advice for no reason. Like you didn't, like you didn't have to do that. And it's not even like you, you came to me too. Like you were always just very nice to me and very like non-competitive because a lot of salon owners were very competitive with me and I did not have a lot of salon owner friends and you were just kind of always there for me. And we had stayed in touch. And I remember I was like, I don't know what to do. I need systems. Like what are systems? And um, she's like, Oh, stop by the salon. And the first time we met in person, and I remember seeing Odette and I was like, Odette is goals. Cause she's beautiful. Like she's just like a boss. She has like that, like that vibe. And she had this big binder of systems that she, and she just handed it to me. And I was just like, what the fuck? I was just like, why? I was like, why? I I, I was just like shook. And that's kind of how we know each other. And then over the past, I think like 10, uh, almost 10 years now, we've kind of just been like here and there checking in. Um, and you, you're just like there for, for people. And I, I like never, 
I mean, I have that now, but back during that time, I really appreciated that. And it was really amazing for me to just have like that little like angel mentor, like that kind of was just like there, but wasn't like all up in my business and who never seemed like competitive with me. Um, and it was just a really awesome presence to have in my journey starting. So that's how we know each other. Do you remember how we met? Did like, did something happen or was it just Facebook? Well, I think we, we had a mutual friend. Was it Lindsay? Yes. Yes. Right. Who I love. And she, I believe you said, Oh, I know Lindsay. And it sort of started, you know, that way. And, um, I do remember you coming. I think the book was my lady maybe. Right. Yeah. Um, and it was legit a thousand dollars for that manual, like years and years and years ago. And, you know, it takes a lot to ask another person for help. Um, so I admire, you know, someone saying, Hey, can you help me? And because you can ask 10 people, right. And you could either be the person that ignores, or you could have a hand in, in helping someone. And that is my nature. Um, I am probably pretty helpful to a fault, but I do believe in people. And I do believe that people are put in people's lives. Um, and I must have liked what I've seen, obviously, coming out of you, you know. Um, and it's funny that you call me savage because you're savage. Um, you're a genius. Look at you now. And I, and I do remember you sitting outside, leaned up against the car, young, tiny little thing. And you're like, I promise I'll bring it back. I'm going to go photocopy everything. And you know what? I look at it this way. If you never came back with it, it's okay, too. You know, it's it would be whatever it is. But, you know, now you're writing those books. So, um, I'm happy, you know, that I had an impact and, and, and even for a minute, just a minute on someone, because I think that is what life is all about. Yeah. And it was, it's amazing. Like, I think that doing things and expecting so much in return, sometimes we do things just to get something and you were literally just like, Hey, I'm here. And like, that to me was just like, I wasn't used to that. Like, you know, someone always wants something, you know, or it's like always like there's a motive and like, that's basically how we know each other. And she was just like there and, um, we had connected and kept in touch. And, you know, I was doing an interview with, um, Danielle, Danielle does hair. I always call her by her like Instagram government. And we were both talking about you. And I was like, oh my God, I have to have Odette come on because she made an impact on me. You made an impact on Danielle. And um, in the climate of today with being an employee-based salon owner and anyone who follows me or listens to me for a long time knows my trials and tribulations with employee-based salon ownership. And um, I think that being an employee-based salon owner is an incredible gift. It's an incredible challenge and it takes an incredible person. So I would just love to have you share your story and you can go back as far as you want. You know, I have people go back to like childhood or something like you can go as far back as you want. You can start wherever you feel comfortable. And I would love to just have you tell your story and I'd love to just chime in in areas. And if I have any questions, like I'd love to just give you the floor and just tell it to everybody. So thank you again, everyone for being here and listening and Odette, take it away. I'm just so excited to like, get to know you at a deeper level, like as friends. And I'm just so grateful you're like, we're recording and we could share it with so many people. Thank you so much. Um, well, I am a, I, I will give you the background that I think, um, made me who I am as far as my work ethic, especially, uh, I decide I'm a first generation American. Um, so my parents are, you know, off the boat from Portugal, uh, English was my second language. 
it was very important that to my parents that I attend college. Um, so when I decided to go to Caner Tech, uh, I did not go there for hair. I was such a tomboy. I actually, every shop that I entered, I wanted to do auto mechanics, auto body, whatever, you name it. That's what I was going to do it. That's what I was going to do. Um, and then I probably decided on hair because I was a girl and maybe I got nervous. Um, and you have to make a decision when you're, I think, a, a junior or maybe a sophomore. Um, and I loved Caner Tech, right? But who knows what they want to do at 17, um, 16, 15, 16, 17. Um, but I, you know, was accepted into the hair program. My father was beside himself. He said, I didn't come to this country so that you could stand all day long and cut hair. You know, he didn't nag me too much about it, but he said, I, I want you to go to college. So he promised me a party if I graduated from college. So that definitely was, you know, something that I wanted to do for him. And mostly because at the time I really wasn't sure that I would be doing hair the rest of my life. Um, and even when in my senior year, I used to say to my teachers, I'm not going to be a hairdresser. This is just my trade, but I'm going to go to college. And, you know, I guess looking back, I, I loved doing hair. I loved the competitions, but I didn't like, um, the, I didn't say, I don't want to say I didn't like the program, but I, I, I was a visual, so I wasn't interested as much in the technical. I wanted to just go over to my mannequin, do it, and then, you know, walk away, which used to drive my teachers crazy. Um, while I was a senior, I went to work for a salon in Naugatuck, and I will, I will, can I say his name? Am I allowed to say it? You can say whoever you want, okay. totally. Anybody you want to mention, please go okay. for it. I'll, I'll mention it. His name was Frank DeLeo, and at the time, during the 80s and 90s, he was um, a master cutter, award-winning. Back when New York Hair Show used to have the the um, the awards, and I, you know, I went to work for him as a receptionist. I used to get paid five dollars an hour, and then I would clock out when I became a hairdresser, and I would go cut hair, um, getting paid nothing but commission. So if I did one haircut for seven hours, that's what it was, you know, at the time. He was ahead of himself as far as systems and software. So I was lucky to be in a place where I wasn't at the typical stereotype of that time um, that sometimes hairdressers had. Uh, so I, I learned a lot on management and being a very good cutter. I actually started as a barber and then grew from there. Um, so I could straight blade. I could do all of that. Um, and what a savage. I can't do that. You know, I didn't know I, that. <laughs> learn on balloons with the, you know, with the shaving cream, sometimes on a leg, like he, he was savage, like you say, um, you know, hardcore Italian, hard to work for, but I appreciated everything that I learned, um, there, uh, when I, when it was time for me to move on from there, I was then moving to central Connecticut. I started at Naugatuck Valley Community College because again, still didn't know what I wanted to do. NBC. Um, yeah. And it was great. Loved it. I went to work for um, someone named Robin, owned a salon named La Moda, and she was in Waterbury. Fantastic. Uh, definitely different vibe working for a woman. Um, I definitely got to see the more maternal side of um, having a woman, you know, owner. Um, I, I learned a lot, and I, but I also learned um, some things that would maybe help me not do later um, as a business owner. Uh, 
when I decided, so when I decided to buy an existing salon, I had just gotten married. We had just finished building a home. Um, my boss at the time, Robin, wanted to do a spa-like salon, and she was moving a little further away from my town. And it was just something that I didn't want. I didn't want to be a part of for some reason, probably because the vision was changing. And I'm not quite sure. I was actually very happy working for her financially. I, I can't complain. Um, I made great money without the headaches. So, you know, I can't complain. This salon went up for sale and the owner had passed away. And my father-in-law, who I loved um, and we've lost since then, you know, encouraged me, you know, to go look at it. He cut out a little ad and he said, you have to go check it out. I looked in the window. I said, it's so ugly in there. I can't buy this place, you know, um, but I knew I had to make a decision. So I just decided to buy it. Obviously with my husband, I can't give him, um, can't give him props because he was my hubby and he encouraged it all the way. And we decided to buy a salon where everyone had exited. So it was just turnkey, you know, um, ready to go. So, that so you didn't big... have the staff to deal with or retrain or re-interview or anything. It was just the salon, the furniture and the bones. We had a 52 year old woman, which at the time seemed so old because it's I was before, you know, but she did the little old ladies and I invited her to stay and she stayed um, for many years. So I invited her to stay and she was like the grandma of the group. Um, the hardest part about opening at the time was having to tell my boss because I did love her and it wasn't personal. Um, and, you know, she, she was okay with it, not right away, but she was okay with it. Um, one of the girls who used to work for us had left shortly before I told my boss. Um, and so I didn't tell any clients where I was going. I didn't tell a single client that I was buying a salon. I didn't want any bad karma attached. I, figured I was going to pay for my ads and just go from there, you know? So I, my boss didn't find out from anyone. She found out from me. I told her, I gave, you know, I gave her a little, little notice. Um, you know, I didn't finish out my notice. She didn't, um, she didn't, you know, want me to stay, which, you know, I get it now. It was okay. Whatever. Um, I then, you know, bought it, opened it and, one of the girls who's still with me 21 years later, who had left that salon, called me up and said, okay, what do you, you know, do you have a spot for me? And I literally said to her, listen, I have no idea what I'm doing. Zero idea. So this could go either way. You're more than welcome to come and give me a try. And I, you know, I, I, I was being, speaking generally, what, you know, what, there were no systems, right? I, I, the, the manual came later. She came to work. Um, I hired another girl shortly, like a few days after that. Um, I hired my cousin to, to answer the phones who became a hairdresser for me. And I said, let's do this, right? I ran my ad and the clients started finding us. The first Saturday we were open, because the previous salon was a, a major walk-in salon, people were walking in thinking that it was the old place and looking at us like, who are you? And they weren't running out. They were sort of like, okay, we'll, we'll come in. 
you know, can, can I book an appointment? Can I come back later? And I turned to the two girls that were there and I said, okay, I think we're going to be okay. Like it was just this little sign that these people were coming in. I kept the old phone number, which was probably the best thing I could have done. And people just kept, you know, finding, finding us. Um, so that was like the beginning, you know, of, of it all. It's kind of how the story, it's not glamorous. It's just, it is what it is. Um, and you know, somewhere in there, my father was happy that I was a hairdresser and he was pretty proud of me. He was proud of me even before. I but that means a lot. Yeah, definitely. You know, and he's never straight. I've cut his hair since day one. So, and to this day he still says I give him his, the best haircut. So whether he's lying or not, who knows, but it is very cute to have, you know, the support from my parents. And I did graduate college somewhere in there. So I did get that party. What'd you graduate <laughs> with? Um, a business degree in uh, marketing communications. That's amazing. Like, I love the idea and me, Steve and I were talking about this, about our kids. I was like, I'm not fucking paying for college. I said to Steve and he's just like, if our kids want to be a doctor or something, like we have to save and pay for college. I'm like, no, no, no. They're going to get a trade and they're going to go to business school. He's like, shut up. So I think that the trade in business school is like amazing. Definitely. Um, Yes. And if you're finding this podcast because of Odette. I'm sorry. I swear a lot. That's just me. I hope I don't offend you. That's okay. <laughs> so you're going to share this and like your friends are going to be like, damn, she's abrasive. Um, like who don't know me, but, um, no, I just think that that's great that you, you did go to college, but you went for something that is going to help you with your salon business. Um, I totally am just, I love that. I think it's amazing. Thank you. Um, you know, and back to the stereotype and, and tying into the college, I, Remember a, young, a gentleman saying to me, you know, so you graduated from college and you're still doing this, you know, and, and honestly, those kind of comments just motivated me Yeah, totally. to run my business a little different. Yeah, no, totally. I totally, um, I hear that all the time. Like almost every podcast starts with, yeah, well, my parents weren't supportive or like, people thought I was crazy, but this industry and like my mission is to elevate the beauty industry. And like what that means is to make one day, I want our parents to be proud to send their kids to cosmetology school. Right. Right. Like, well, you're helping that vision tremendously, especially, but, but, you know, I've been around a while, so, you know, things are changing. Right. And, you know, we had a lot of guessing, you know, when, when I was 24, there was a lot of guesswork, Um, And no matter how much we sought out the information, it wasn't like today where, you know, the information is, is easily available. Right. And, you know, thanks to people like you who are, are doing it, they're, they're putting it out there. They're giving up a lot of their time, right. To elevate the industry. And that is what's going to change. Totally. So you were doing hair salon owner, your salon's up and running. And how did you guys start to like, did you, are you still doing hair behind the chair? I am. I am. Um, so one of the things I know, you know, it's a commission base. So I, I want to make sure that I add in what I believe a commission salon should be. And I love that you offer 
pretty much everything I'm about to say in a previous podcast um, that I've enjoyed listening to, where you break down the pros and cons. You know, I wanted to have a salon where people stayed and I had low turnover rate. Um, did I have I had turnover? Yes. You can't not have a but your salon seems to have like the same faces and like super consistent, like your salon doesn't, I mean, I don't know your salon retention numbers, mm-hmm. but like, I feel like people stay there and like, that is like in salon re- or staff retention is something that major is a major struggle for employee based. So I, yeah. Yeah, I would love to hear what you think a commission salon should be and like how you made your salon like so successful. Well, I feel, I feel like I, I you know, I, I, I've heard this before take care of your employees and your employees will take care of you. Um, I, I am a people pleaser. So I will say that my initial goal behind the chair and owning a salon is a people pleaser, right? I want everybody to love me. So I want to, you know, I want to say that that probably, you know, to a fault, right. Is, is my, my foundation. You know, I know some people will say, well, you need this and you need that, you know, to run a successful salon. And that's great. Um, but I can't say that that's how I started because I, I think I wore my heart, my sleeve. And I, and I think we've related, you know, on this before where, you know, you invest in people and, um, but I think it goes, it comes back to what you're providing for them. Um, my commission, you know, and I, and I don't want to say totally what it is. I feel like I am giving up people's information, or, but you know, I'm a little higher than usual. Um, I do start my assistance with hourly pay, um, no matter what. And then when they're ready to fly, you know, into the commission, I do that. Um, cause again, I, I've been there where I wasn't getting paid hourly and cutting hair and not making any money. Um, we are a legally paid salon and always have been, um, you know, there's been times where I've questioned that, but I, you know, when I first started, I, I turned to my husband and I said, I want to be able to have a profit and loss statement. I want to be able to look at it and you know, know the breakdown to everything. And especially, you know, back then it was a big hide your cash world. Right. And obviously times are, are, have changed, right. Especially post pandemic, people don't even want to touch cash. So, you know, everything, um, thankfully the way I did things, I think have allowed people to apply for mortgages and apply for homes or, you know, second homes or, you know, every, everything that they needed to, because they weren't, just living, um, you know, they they had something to show a bank. Totally. Um, And that's so important. Like, you know, at GBH, we were doing, we did cash tips toward the end because that's what they wanted. Um, but to be able to show everything and it really sets you up to win for the future. Like people who hide their cash and who only show a certain amount because they don't want to pay taxes, you go to apply for a mortgage or you go to apply right. for a loan or you want to grow or something. And they're like, hell no, you don't make any money. But like, and it also drives the industry average salary down. Like if people still think hairstyles make 30 K or like, I'm sorry, but that's just not like, I right. guess industry average could be a little lower, not lower than 30, but people aren't showing it. And I think that that doesn't, it does the opposite of elevating the beauty industry. So you right. pay your staff legally, which right. is more than a lot of employee-based salons can say. So that's amazing. Yeah. And I've, and I've been there, you know, I, I had bosses who paid both ways and, you know, it definitely pros and cons back then. Yeah. Um, You know, I, I wanted to 
provide, and you know, and I do have, I don't have a non-compete, but I have a, a, a policy, right? Because I believe in some sort of structure. I do offer vacation pay or maternity leave, some maternity leave pay, whatever you want to call it, because, you know, I wanted people to know that if they needed a, a, the time off or if they needed maternity leave, that they would have some sort of a, a paycheck coming in. Um, and it's and it's not just the same for everybody. It's based on your productivity, you know, the years you've spent in the salon. So with time and productivity came perks, right? Because it's very easy to to be in a certain tier, and then the badasses, like we call them, you know, will always elevate and earn more and deserve more, right? But there are, you know, like me, ten years into owning a salon, I became a mother, so I understood. Um, you know, my, my full-time girls, especially this, this year, I have two full-time girls who are now part-time, you know, because they've got new babies and, you know, they're not in daycare and families are helping and, you know, so they're doing the best they can, you know, but they continue with, you know, earning the perks because of, you know, their dedication. Um, with that, we have, you know, an IRA, I guess you could call it a retirement fund. Um, you know, we have assistance, you know, like, like you've said before, assistance costs money, you know? Um, but you know, I have girls who double book sometimes and then half the time they don't. So we're still, we're, we're still doing a little bit of both and the girls have a lot of independence. So no one makes them double book. Um, they know where they can, they know when, when they can't, uh, if they don't feel like it, they don't have to, you know, so there's independence there. Um, but it wasn't always that way. I will say coming out of the COVID or coming back into the new world, you know, definitely changes, you know, the, the mood and the vibe a little bit, you know, so we're kind of reassessing some of the booking too. Yeah. I mean, it has to change and things have to evolve, you know? So how do you like when talking about like your salon and being commission-based salon and having your stylist stay busy and productive, like how would you say like you motivate them or continue to like push that um, outcome of being a productive stylist? Like, do you do a lot of marketing for them? Do you have like a referral program? Like, how do you get your stylist to like stay busy? And if you have a new stylist, like how does that look? Cause I'm sure you've got stylists there 21 years who have been killing it forever. Um, and they've got their clientele yeah. and everything, but like starting out, if I were to come work for you and you were mentoring me and coaching me, um, like how would that look for me? Well, I, you know, I, I've seen two types of assistants come in. I've seen the type of things they're going to cut hair that week, right. They're just going to pick up a scissor and they're going to start immediately. And I don't mean the seasoned new hair, you know, like a seasoned new person. I mean, someone straight out of school. I've seen them sort of want to get jump right into it. And then I've seen people who are, you know, sort of still nervous. So they definitely start as an assistant. I mean, a true sweeping, shampooing, applying glazes, um, which then becomes blow drying and becomes color applications. We use Goldwell predominantly. So learning the Goldwell line, whether they're going to classes or we're teaching them in the salon it is a must. Um, you know, every so often I will have quiet classes, you know, sometimes I work with one-on-one. -on -one. I used to put, I used to have a ton more of one-on-one -on -one training, but now, and, and I have to acknowledge this, I feel like we're in a, a strange yet beautiful time. I find that you know, someone, you know, I, I have a girl, let's, 
I'll just say who she is. Her name is Gabby, right? She's great. Like she is buying her, her Instagram videos. You know, she's going online, she's signing up for this and it's refreshing to see someone who is learning from me on a Sunday, right? Cause we're doing cutting hands-on, but then she's, you know, buying courses here, buying courses there, watching this video, logging onto RBTC, you know, that I have and, and having them watch. Right. And, you know, you know, anything that I've purchased on the like webinars, it's amazing to watch them. And I know they're watching you. I know, I know you are oh a God, fixed them. permanently, obviously, you know, and there's no hate, Gina, like these are girls who follow and, you know, they're not afraid to say, oh, I was watching this video. I learned this, I learned that. And it's, it's great. And, and it's, it's refreshing now, right? 21 years in that they're meeting me halfway. They're, they're proactive in their education, but they're not only learning for me, but they're also watching the seasoned hairdressers. And I'm a little spoiled because some of my seasoned hairdressers are amazing. They're not afraid, especially if someone says, oh, you know, how did, how are you doing that? They're not afraid to teach them and say, this is what I'm doing. And this is why. Um, they respond well to that, you know, so it's, it's, it's not just me. I can't take full credit. I think the culture has become a way that even the clients know it's a learning salon also in the beginning. And they're okay with that. You know, like if you do get a newbie and something's not quite right, they know to, you know, and they feel comfortable, especially based on our emails and the things that they get in-house, right. From our software that if they're not happy, Hey, let us know, we'll fix it. We'll adjust it. So there's a lot of behind the scenes that happens and I can't take full credit. You At this also point, have a trusted brand, like being around for 21 years. Like I'm sure there's a lot of trial and error that goes into like, okay, like for, for me at GBH, we had like five new people start at once. So the training we would train wow. all at once. Cause I was so sick of training one person. They're there for right. six months and then they decide like, oh, they don't want to work hard. Like that, right. that's the thing. Everybody wants all the perks and benefits, but then they realize like, oh, you have to work to get that. And then they're just like, eh, nah. And then they go through the whole training and it is so incredibly expensive to train people. Like right. just the time it takes out of your schedule when you could be making bread, like it takes so much time just to train somebody and then to have your staff train people when they could be making money and then to pay that person to train. For me at GBH, I was really like, you know what? I'm sick of paying people to learn from me. I want people to pay to learn from me. And I was just like, I'm just not at the place in my career where like I can mentally take this anymore because I was just like, I'm done giving, but I also had no boundaries. Right. Was a salon owner, 23 years old. And like, you know, me Odette, that I'm like such a go-getter, like being a salon owner, like check it off the list and I'm on to the next thing. And I didn't <laughs> stay. And like one, one thing I learned in my journey, I'm 29. One thing I've learned so far in my journey that I think has been one of the most valuable business things is you have to focus on the business that you have mm -hmm. and you'll lose it by focusing on the business that you want. Right. Like for me, my focus and attention is so powerful and I'll move on to the next thing before the first thing is just right. It's like that shiny right. object syndrome. And I think that a lot of people, because of how much opportunity there is available in the industry, a lot of salon owners who have employees, they forget or they don't know, or they never learned, or they don't have like the right, you know, idea of like what it actually takes to be a salon owner. So I'd love to talk about that, like what it actually takes because it's time, attention, it's focus. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to do hair and like try to run the books. It's like, how do you keep these people happy? 
Right. And I, and I think, I think you don't always keep them happy, right? I think you can, you, you can under promise, you know, you can, you can, you can't make too many promises, right? Because a lot of times you're, you know, you want to be the best leader, right? You want to be um, a perfect leader, but it's not always going to happen, right? We wear our heart on our sleeves. We're training, you're training five people, three of them leave, right? And it emotionally sets you back, right? It, it kind of- Well, that's why I did five people at once because I was right. like, three of them are going to leave. And you know how right. many how many lasted? One. Right. And that's, and that's, that's, but that's also when you were a little younger, right? Oh yeah. I was pretty, and I'm still like, I I'm still with employees. Like I'm very blunt and very like, keep up (laughs) with me. You know what I mean? And it's, it's terrifying for some people. Like I'm not easy to work for, and I don't think I ever will be. But then again, like I, I having a conversation with one of my girls, I was just like, if I'm going to have you working with me, I want you to go past me. Right. You want them, you want them to show you. I literally will joke around and say to client, my hairdressers, I want you to steal my clients. If my client is in your chair, you better, you better, you better kill it. You better do it so that you're taking her from me. I want you to, you know, be at that level. And I know that's like kind of weird to say, but I don't want like eyes staring at me. I want everybody busy. I want everybody happy. I don't, you know, it's, it's, it took a long time to get here. You know, you, you know, I feel like if I look back and think back to the, some of the girl, I, I should say some of the girls, like I, I'll say two or three girls that I've lost along the years. Right. I remember feeling so emotional and person. it was personal. Oh, I'm so hurt by this. And I had to learn that, um, it wasn't, it was, it was happening for me, not to me. You know what I mean? Have you ever heard that before? I live like, I by it. I say it every day, 40 times yeah. a day, Odette. I love it. <laughs> you know, I, I thought it for, I thought back then, oh, that was my team. But looking at my adult version of Odette, I realized they wouldn't have fit the adult version of Salon Odette. And my team right now currently represents that. Even my newbies, right? are, I feel like law, like just old souls, you know, like they just kind of fit there, you know? And, um, I, you know, I, I could be, I could be blunt. I could have high expectations, you know, but I do show up. And that's one thing is if you're, if you're a business owner, no matter what that is, whether that's rental, whether that's sweet owner, you know, whatever it is, you have to show up. If you're not showing up, you know, it rubs off, you know, um, and we saw that even coming out of the pandemic, right? Coming out of, well, whatever lockdown, I guess we're still in the pandemic, but, you know, I had to put my game face on, right? And, you know, go do it so that others could feel ready to to do it too. And um, if you're not showing up, I think it's, it's going to, it's going to fail. It's going to add to, you know, and you know, it. like if, when I, when I was having children, right. Even though I was gone, I had to still be there. Right. Even if I'm not physically there, I can't pretend that I don't have a business. So it's extra work. And when you become, if you, if you take on motherhood while owning a business, it adds different, a different level of, of balance. Right. And it's, it's, it's difficult. You know, it's, it's hard. 
Yeah, I'm writing stuff down over here. And I loved, I would love to stop and talk about showing up. Like what is showing up? Because I wrote down a few things. Like I wrote down for showing up. And I love that you said like you have to show up because if you expect other people to be there and you have that high expectation and that high standard, like for me, I have that high expectation and high standard in everything like in everything. And I know that can be a lot for people. I totally get that. Um, so I can't do people a disservice by not showing up myself. And like, to me, like two things I wrote down were presence. Mm -hmm. So like when I'm there, I'm there. Um, and when I'm teaching them, I'm engaged with them and I'm like there for them, even if it's not like in person 24 seven, but they know they can call me and that trust between one and the other to say like, you can call me, like you can call on me. I'm here for you right. and being right. present in that relationship. And then the other thing I wrote down was being in a healthy state. So by putting myself mm -hmm. first, my physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health, I'm a very spiritual person. I know that, um, you and I like have like connection, like yeah. connected, like, you know, <laughs> and other things like just like kind of knowing that like, you know, the right people will come into your life and, you know, that's the healthy state of being like, I'm going to show up here, not a toxic human being. And I'm, I love that you said, like going back even a couple minutes ago, when you were saying like, when you were first starting with your salon ownership, you were just like, I don't know what I'm doing. Hey. Like, I like to show up with my team, like very real to be like, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not perfect. And like making amends right away. Like I was venting to one of my artists the other day about like a bunch of shit that had nothing to do with her. It was all about the salon. It was all about this bullshit that like, I stopped and I was just like, Alexandra, I'm so sorry. I was like, I should not be venting to you about this. And like, I'm a, I'm a human, please excuse my defects. Like, I'm so sorry that I like just dumped on you. Like you don't deserve that. She's like, no, I'm always here for you. And I was like, yeah, but like, that's kind of like a boundary thing I'm working on and I'm a human being. And I'm so sorry that like, you don't deserve to like, you had that like thrown into your day. I hate giving my stylist the stress of the owner. Like, I feel like if you're going to put the stress of the owner on your stylist, why would they not just go be an owner? I feel like that's how a lot of people lose their team is they put so much stress on them that has nothing to do with them and they don't get paid enough to deal with the stress and trials and tribulations of being an owner. Right. And I think, but I think you're going to have two kinds of people. I think they're, you're going to have the person who's like, oh, Gina, she's being so dramatic. Oh, dad, she's so dramatic. She's got that, right? And then you're going to have the other extreme, right? Where they're going to look at you and they're going to say, okay, I can tell she's in a moment, Right. And because you've shared before how you're feeling, that one person, right, because you know who they are, they're going to come help you pull back out of it, right? They're going to be there for you. And you know what? Opening yourself up and being vulnerable is worth it, you know, to make that one connection because you're not, you, you know, you're going to have different seasons of your life, right? You know, there was the 10 years before I had kids, you know, they're the beginning when you start to have kids, right? When you're your business could be thriving. Your personal life is a shit show, right? And then your shit, your personal life could be thriving. And then, you know, it's, but it's different seasons and you have to allow yourself grace and you have to allow your stylist grace too. And, you know, I've now come out of a 10 year window where I was having the kids and they're a little older now, but you know, you see your staff going through that. And so you have to make yourself relatable. You know, when they say to you, you know, I can't work days now, it's going to be nights and, and Saturdays and Sundays, right? Of course, everything is always a place of yes. Now it's a place of, you know, offering advice because I've already been there. You know, I you're like I their mentor. To, you're their mentor and their role model. Like you've been through it. 
and, and I hate to tie it into someone on social media, but I feel like I have to, um, you know, I used to follow this artist and I was a big geek. Right. And, um, you know, she's based in Connecticut, loved her obsessed. Right. When she started following me, I was even more, you know, excited and I started following her and I, I was super impressed and writing things down and just, and I'm not afraid to say, you know, I, I, I you know, DM, right. I loved that. I loved what you had to offer. I am not afraid to give credit um, when I'm learning something or when I took a little bit of this. It's, you know, I, I believe in that. And that's how I was raised. Um, but I remember when she dropped this bombshell and she said, she admitted that she had not been actually cutting hair behind the chair for almost a year. And I remember being pissed. You know, I know that sounds awful, but I was kind of angry because I was setting these expectations, right, of how my life should be as a mom and I should be doing this and I should be doing that. And then I said, oh, my God, I love hair and I love putting my hands in hair and I love being attached to the client. Am I doing 60 hours like I was 20 years ago, even 15 years? Not. Um, but I remember being, you know, super disappointed because I was looking to someone on Instagram that, and, and not wanting to copy, but trying to get my balance and realizing, you know what, I, I couldn't, it, that wasn't like the Bible, you know? And I realized, you know what, I can't look to that. I can only look to what I have in our bubble. And I can only speak to that, not this person who suddenly said, well, I haven't been cutting hair. We, we became unrelatable at that moment. You know, yeah. I totally can, I can totally So that's how to I that. feel. Sorry, you cut out. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, no, no, go for it. Like, I can totally relate to that. And Instagram is so weird. I got where I am today. I've got 200 and something thousand Instagram followers, right? And people are just like, oh my God, you're famous. And I'm like, eh. like, you know, like, uh, it's me. you know, but like the thing is though, I worked for 10 years being consistent and doing Instagram as a full-time job. There has not been a time in 10 years that I haven't been doing 20, 30, 40 hours a week. It changes, but most of the time between 30 and 40 hours additional to my business marketing on Instagram. Like I love marketing. It's one of my favorite right. passions. Like I love to market. Um, and I love to sell myself. No, you're a marketing genius. Oh, thank you. I love you. But like, I literally thank you for saying that because I do feel like I've built an incredible brand and reputation, but like, it's not an accident. You know what I mean? It's not like I got like a lucky break and I had all of these big brands posting me and shit like that. It was literally strategy. Like the, I used a very specific strategy to get where I am. And then I built a core audience of the right people. And then I gave them what they wanted over and over and over. They want this. That's all they got. And then, oh, you want this? This is what you got. Hair right. videos, pricing, lives, my life. It moved up as like the people told me what they want. And the more real you get, the more unreal it's going to get. It's a big advice for marketing. But what I have to say about Instagram is that it drives me crazy. I can't spend a lot of time on it anymore. <laughs> I compare myself to others. And you know what is really weird? Like now everybody's an educator. Everybody's an influencer. Everybody's got something they're selling. Everybody has a course. And I think there's a space in this world for everybody. But I think that one of the big things that we have to think about is how much are you sitting there listening and how much are you executing? Because it's super easy to fill your head with all of these ideas. 
Um, and I think that you and I, Odette, like starting out, like you're, you're older than me. You've been doing it a little bit longer than me. And you were saying in the beginning, like we didn't, it's more accessible now, the education, the education is so accessible now for free. All of my stuff is out there for free. You just got to find it. Right. Um, it's like, everything's out there for free, but nobody's executing it. Like some people are, but they're not spending the time to actually like, they didn't have to work so hard to get it. So that they, they're not going to be like, oh my God, I took this $5,000 business class. Let me stop everything. Focus on this amazing business class and implement and implement and implement and implement. And like, for me as an educator and coach, like just as a salon owner and as a stylist perspective, like how you were saying, like you get let, you were let down by that person because you were kind of comparing or, you know, and I do that a lot. Like for me, I feel the same way because I'll look at what someone else is doing. I'm like, should I be doing that? I can't, I got to turn it off. I have to turn it off. I'm like, oh my God, this person is doing this. I can do that. Okay. Let me think of how I can do that. And then I've got like my mental real estate taken up. Like you only have so much bandwidth to even know so many people. So like for me, I had to set a boundary with it. And you know, really how you said, like, I got to focus in my own bubble, like stay in your lane and find people you relate to and everything, but it's really scheduling time to be on your phone and not using it as something that you're constantly relied upon. But I can totally relate. You know, I had like... I've been let down by a lot of people too, because, and I had three amazing conversations today, one with you, one with this girl, Farhana, um, Balayaz, she's on Instagram and I've been following her and we finally got to talk like face. Mm-hmm. It was like, we talked face to face and it was just like, she's really cool. And then I got to talk to Brit Ziva today, three incredibly strong women who I am not competing with, who we can be open and honest with each other and have a real relationship and be there for one another and support each other and elevate each other. I would prefer to have three people than 300 people on my Instagram who I don't even know. Like they just make me feel like shit. <laughs> right. right. It, it's a terrible, it's a terrible way to be, you know, and, but I will say this, right. As if I, if I may, as someone who started in the nineties, right. I will say that back then it was very evident when, someone up the street was knocking this person or that person. Right. And I, and I have, you know, I, I've met people who've said, thank you for saying, welcome, welcome to Middlebury because, you know, I've run into other hairdressers and they haven't said that. And I'm like, well, why didn't they, you know, but I think if you're just a jerk inside, it carries over right to who you are when you're running a business, right? So if you're nice to people and you're welcoming and you don't knock this one and don't knock that one, you know, I think it comes back to you. You attract what you, you put out and that doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, right? That's not normal. It's not normal to be perfect. You can't show up and have your A game. You know, you have to learn and, and, and be better, You, you know, with, you know, everyone needs to grow through mistakes and lesson learned and sometimes not being your best. Right. Um, but I think in this, now that I've seen what, what some of social media is, right. The support. And, you know, even if it's, even if it's just clicking like, or, you know, people, people, you know, I've had people say to me, you know, thank you for always liking my, my pictures, you know, thank you for seeing me. Right. And it's, it's, that's such a powerful statement. Right. And it's, it's sad at the same time. Right. And, you know, I, I, 
was on a plane recently and I was watching someone just scrolling through pictures and not clicking like, right? Just scrolling. And I sort of laughed to myself because I literally just will click like on everything because I just feel like spread that love, just keep spreading it. You know, and I think it's so silly that she's just scrolling and maybe that's not, maybe what I'm doing is not cool, but I think it's just old fashioned, you know, love, like just showing a little bit of support. Totally. It's love and kindness. And I think that that is, if that is what we all want and need as human beings and having that in your values is just going to make your life more beautiful. But I do see the beauty of the current state of the industry as a much more supportive and loving and definitely, you know, defi- you know, defying those old stereotypes, you know, and I, and I do feel, you know, even like something that you're doing is sharing and, and I'm seeing it even in, you know, in more recent posts from my team, right. They, they went they're they're influenced by influencers and they're suddenly sharing, Oh, I did this or I did that. And, and it makes my heart proud um, because I can't, even though we're, I'm trying to foster a certain culture, I'm watching this, you know, this social media driven um, team, you know, especially my newer Silas become very motivated and they're sharing and they're, they're, they're becoming part of that world. And it is beautiful to see Silas supporting Silas. I think there's a reason that that hashtag, you know, is, is, is growing in, you know, whatever numbers because it's a real thing. And, and at the end of the day, we're all doing hair. We're doing the same exact thing, right? It's everyone needs their hair done. So we're not vying for people, right? Everyone on this planet needs their hair done. There's enough to go around and, and it's, it should be an industry where we're supporting, you know, one another and we're learning because we are visual, right? So we're, we're, we're using our visual to teach and, you know, it's, it's important to continue that no matter where this industry leads, it's important to continue that, you know, especially now more than ever, you know, as you say, the commission-based salons are, you know, change, you know, they're changing, you know, but those people coming out of hair school are going to need this new generation of hairdressers to learn from, you know, especially if the commission-based salons are, you know, far and few. Yeah, totally. So I like everything you say. Yes, I'm agreeing with you 100%. And it's something that we should all be thinking about and just spreading that love and kindness. And you know, I love Lady Gaga. I don't know if you know, but if you don't know, yeah. <laughs> I love her so much. And like one of her biggest values is love and kindness. And for mm-hmm. me, you know, when I was like in treatment, reevaluating my values and reevaluating myself and like figuring out my life, like my values were all over the place and love and kindness being number one. I flip flop between health and love and kindness. Like, cause if I don't put myself first, I can't be kind, <laughs> but then again, right? Like, no, you, you can't, if your health isn't intact, you can't expect yeah. to give and receive. You just other. can't like, you can't pour from an empty cup. Like I know that that's like a common saying, but it's true. Like you can't, like, I always had like making an impact or like growth as number one. But if that comes before you, like you, it doesn't matter if you're dead. 
Right. You know what I mean? Like you can't have right. this impact if you're dead, you know? And right. I always say like, without me, I'm not here. So like, I have to put myself first and that's how I can set those boundaries. And it's really hard. And I still say, yes, I booked a five 30 tonight. Um, okay, color on a Tuesday. I already said yes to my girl, Kim or my girl, Nicole. I was like, okay, I'll do your hair at five 30 on a five on a Tuesday. And I booked a five 30 and I'm just like, who else wants to come in? Cause I'm just like, you know, but, um, Anyways, having love and kindness and health at the number one and really putting yourself first, being kind and leading out of love, I think for our industry in general, I think that that's beautiful advice, Odette. Um, and I would like to, I have one a topic I want to talk about um, because it keeps coming up as we're talking and I want to just point it out blatantly because I think uh, that, um, and then I have like three questions that I, okay. I want to ask you. Um, the first thing I want to talk about is it is clear to me, you're a successful salon owner. You have had an impact on me. You have people in your salon who stay. Many salon owners don't have that and they don't know what they're doing wrong. And, you know, I think that something that you've shared multiple times in different ways through this conversation is you have an abundance mindset. It's obvious. Like you have an abundance mindset. You, you've said multiple times, like different phrases and I can't quote them exactly. And I don't want to, um, just say random words, but what does abundance mindset mean to you? Because it seems like you are just open to what's coming to you. There's enough for everyone. Like Katie said, stylist supporting stylist, like everybody needs their hand. There is enough for everybody. And I just feel like that, um, speaking with you for the past hour or so, it's like, that is just a clear thing that makes Odette Odette is the abundance. And you're not in that scarcity, me, me, me mindset. You're an abundance mindset. Even 10 years ago for me, you know, you weren't clutching that book saying, I hope she fails. You were like here. Yeah. And that changed my life and that elevated the beauty industry. And that is like an amazing thing. So talk, let's talk about abundance mindset. I feel like that kind of makes me want to cry a little bit. Um, it's amazing. Well, I, I feel, I, you know, I feel, I mean, I feel blessed to, and maybe, you know, it's, um, maybe it's something that I grew up with, you know, I feel like, you know, I, I definitely learned that as a, a struggling first generation American, you know, watching my parents go from having nothing and not speaking the language to, um, having, oh, you know, plentiful, but also giving back. You know, I watched that. I watched my parents even, and I have to say quietly, you know, giving back and helping others. And, and, and I feel like that was part of my, my core, you know, and you um, say quietly giving back, like they're not giving a sandwich to a homeless person and filming it and putting it on Instagram. No, no. Yeah. That's something like <laughs> quietly, not everybody needs to know. Yeah. Yep. And I, just I to throw that in. Sorry, Oda. It's just yeah, very no, like, I think it's important, you know, that everyone, the, the whole saying, um, your character is what you, you know, is who you are when no one's looking, you know? And I think, I think that's really important. And I title I, of the podcast, you know, <laughs> thank you for the title of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always trying to find it. <laughs> I, think, I think it's important. You know, I think I've had plenty of moments and I will say this truthfully in, in my, in running a business, right. Where over the years, you know, there are things that I could have done selfishly and, and taken care of me first. Um, and I can think of years where it felt like I should have, right. Maybe, um, you know, when I was working a little less, you know, when I was pregnant or having a baby and then, you know, there were certain years where probably I probably could have been a little more selfish, um, with, you know, but it, it's just not who I am, you know, um, 
And my husband will tell you that, you know, like when we sit down and, and, and do finances, he will, you know, you know, when, when COVID was hitting, right. Um, and I'll give you this example. He, and I was worried the girls were not getting unemployment, right. I was forcing my husband, we have to apply for this PPP. We have to do this. The girls have to get paid. I was very worried about that. Um, and they know it and I know they know it, you know, and I, and I, and I, I'm blessed to know that their hearts felt that I was worried about them also, you know, and I remember, you know, going through all of that and my husband saying, you know, and I wasn't worried about myself because again, I thought it was a two week lockdown. So who knew it would be a, a three month situation, but I was very worried about them and, you know, nothing was going to change. I wasn't going to not worry about them because I was worried about them for 21 years. I, I'm very much driven by making sure my team is, is happy. And I do feel that, um, my giving, my giving back, I felt them giving back, you know, and this is, you know, this is, and I speak as a team. I I felt that I feel that when they feel my appreciation and they know I'm, I'm a big baby. Like I, I cry at things. Like I'm, I, you know, I'm very emotional. They know I love to help people. They, they know it. And, and sometimes they'll tease me and say, don't go there. You know, don't, don't, don't go doing that. You know, they'll, they'll hear that I'm about to do something crazy, like giving back, but that's in my nature. I feel like it's a ripple effect. You know, I feel like even when I started the salon, it was important that I gave, I gave back, you know, and as a team, we did breast cancer stuff. I know you've done many things and continued to do so, um, over the years and still did, even during the pandemic, you were doing the, the, the railroad thing, the operation, operation underground railroad. Right. You know, I was like, Oh my God, I, I, I love that organization. So I love that. And, and I know that people don't get it, but like abundance is giving back. It is a ripple effect. Right. And it is also, your team seeing you do that because they then start to give back, you know, and, you know, they, they count their blessings and they give back to breast cancer. I was part of, I was on the board of safe Haven domestic and sexual assault. Um, I've always admired that about you with the safe Haven and the stuff that you've done for women in Connecticut. You know, I didn't set out to go on the board. I didn't set out to be on a board. Um, in fact, when I joined it, I wasn't quite sure what I was doing there. Someone suggested I join it. And then I realized, you know, there's a lot of people that have different kinds of like PTSD, you know, whether that's, you know, verbal trauma, all kinds of things fall under that category. And I realized that that one became a near and dear to me because um, it's more relevant than we think, you know, it's, it's doesn't affect just one type of person. It affects children, women, especially. So it's, you know, I, resigned from the board, but I'm still, you know, helping out. But, you know, I also think, you know, everyone has different levels of wealth, right? What they want to achieve, you know? Um, I bet if I had to ask you, yours is not monetary. I feel like yours, you, you thrive on giving back, right? Um, And teaching and educating. And I, and I, I'd be willing to guess that it's, you're not, you didn't start out to make the money. I don't think that's what, I mean, I love money, but as much money as I make, it doesn't hit the same as when you make an impact. And it took a lot for me to like, I, like to, oh, I'm, if I, if I reach this level, I'll be happy. It's really making that true impact. 
And that, and for me, I didn't realize, but my values were out of line and values are the key to everything. I believe, um, our values control our lives and it depends like my, my value for significance and certainty and growth. Those are amazing needs and and everything, but they're not values, they're needs and the needs of the spirit. You know, I work with the Tony Robbins coaching method that, um, I've been working with for a while and the needs of the spirit are growth and contribution and the abundance mindset when you can contribute and give beyond yourself. That is what is a need of the spirit. And that's where we find true bliss and happiness. And it took me a really long time to like experience, like, I want to be this person. What I'm doing is not getting, I can't be that person. So I had to say like, I want to be this person and I'm committed to being this person who's going to give back, who's going to be supportive, Mm -hmm. who's going to uplift others, who's going to give in a way that's going to help people change their lives. And I'm not going to be scarcity. I'm not going to be giving, but expecting something in return. That was, that was something I grew up with, you know, that was like from like that, that was just like, Oh, you know, and that was just something like, I have to do this to get this. And I, as a leader taking people to Disneyland (laughs) and expecting their loyalty, right. That's not what, that's not what you're talking about. When you say your generosity and your giving spirit, you're not putting on a show. You're, you're a generous heart. It's not just like handing stuff out and expecting, you know? So when I decide I want to be this person, if I continue to do these things and I'm not getting there, like I have to change. And I have to say the last year, two years, um, having to change is calling myself out, failing, being mad at myself because I know better and really just stick into the path. And it's not perfect. Right. You know, it's just not. And I love that you talk about seasons and like you give yourself grace. Well, the, well, the past 10 years I've been doing this. And then the 10 years before that, it's like, wait, it's a journey. Like it's right. never going to be done. It's never going to be perfect. And things are always going to be changing. And change is okay. You know, I, I think, you know, having a, a business for 21 years, you know, you, you opened yours at a time where personally, I have to agree, I didn't know who I was from 24 to 27. I had no idea what I was doing either. Like I knew, but I didn't, I didn't have the emotional regulation and the boundaries to lead. And so you took on quite a weight, right? And you wore your heart on your sleeve. And, you know, with that came hurt, right? And you think loyalty and, and all of that, but you know what? You own it right? You, and again, different seasons, right? You're in one season now. I could talk to you in five years. You'll be in a different mindset. You could talk to me in a year and we could be having a completely different conversation. Um, but you know, especially listening to podcasts, right? My favorite thing is listening to podcasts and, and I'll be honest, you know, the minute you asked me to be on, I was like, I better do my homework and listen to your podcast because, I, I follow a lot of people that I love and they're not hair related. I, I feel like sometimes I need to take a break from the hair because I am in Same. a different mindset, right? I'm, I'm a mom, right? And I'm, and I'm not a perfect mom and that's okay. You know, I'm a wife and I'm not a perfect wife and that's okay. And I'm not a perfect owner. And I don't look at anyone like in my salon, they need to be perfect, right? You know, I believe in offering grace and giving grace, you know? So, you know, different seasons and different times in your life, you know, I, I feel like I you know, I'm in a good place. Right. And, but it, you know, seven months ago coming out of, you know, wondering if this hassle of opening a business after COVID, you know, it, it, it drained me, you know, and I, and 
listening to other people and your and, and listening to your you know watching people people relate you know be relatable like you know you're coming out of a pandemic having to open a business you know for me it was a little dif- different you know it wasn't just me i had to have 13 people be on board with coming back and thankfully they were and they were ready and you know i it was not great you know like the shutdown. It was not great. I, at the end of the day, I still love hair. I love putting my hands in hair. I will always cut hair no matter where life takes me. Um, you know, I knew when we reopened and I put my hands into someone's hair, I almost started crying. Yeah. You know, I could sense Um, the emotion. It's like, it's, it's an emotional thing, you know? So if you asked me eight months ago, like, would I be in a better mindset? I have to be honest. I'm, I'm just, I feel like in the last you know, four months I'm coming out of that, you know, rug pulled on, pulled out from you, you know, 27, 27 years of cutting hair and someone telling you, you can't cut hair is a big deal, you know? Yeah. And it's, it was a horrible year. I talked to my accountant this morning. He's like, yeah, 2020 was a bad year for you. And I'm just like Mm. me and everybody else. It just, you know what, control all delete, but we all learn so much. And I'm glad I caught you for this podcast at a better time too, because, you know, I feel like this conversation has just been like amazing. And I think that salon owners feel more lonely than not. Um, and I just, I really think that having salon owner friends and putting yourself out there and really trying to align yourself with people who understand and who, who you meant, who, who you not only look up to, but somebody who's like doing it and who's not perfect and not putting on a show. No, you know? no show. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're amazing, Odette. And I just want to close out our brilliant episode because this is just beautiful with three questions that I just kind of was like jotting down. Um, we talked, I wrote abundance mind to that and I wrote letting go. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's a huge part of it. It's just like letting go of the outcome. And if in just accepting that nothing is permanent, like we kind of were talking mm-hmm. about that earlier. Um, but the three questions I have, what advice would you give to a new stylist coming in? Like, what advice would you give to a new stylist in this day and age? Well, I think, I think coming in with an open mind, um, realizing that if you are going into a place where there is a boss slash salon owner, um, I would look for someone that you, you know, the culture of the salon is already intact, right? Um, asking a lot of questions, right? Being open-minded, not become, not being scared, right? I, as you know, um, having, you know, I, I, how do I say this? I have high expectations, right? I could be scary, right? I have high expectations. I do expect a lot from a lot of people, but I'm going to give you a lot, right? So if someone is coming in, they better be open-minded. They better also ask a lot of questions, right? And if the owner doesn't have things that, you know, to offer and they're not in a good place, I think it's probably not going to be a good fit. If they're just, um, if they're 20 years in and they're still winging it, probably not a good idea, right? Mm. But if they have a, a, a system in place and they have a lot to offer, especially as a newbie. And, you know, cause you don't want to go into a place that doesn't have things to offer. You want to have something to stand on, you know, you know, hourly, as you say, in your 
previous podcasts, training, you know, all of the things um, and a good team because you want to be, especially as a new person, you want to be okay with the culture of the salon, especially if you are young, because it could be scary if it's not um, a non-toxic place, you know? So I, I think as a newbie, open mind, ask a lot of questions, follow them, interview the boss too, interview the owner. I love that. I love when people ask questions. I think it shows that that person has also a game plan and, you know, who they are intact. I love it. I love that. Um, another question I had advice for a new salon owner. <sighs> um, don't borrow the manual from Odette because it's old now. <laughs> um, definitely, you know, reach out to other salon owners like you did. Um, definitely. I think someone like you who has, you know, the, the available tools, definitely invest in that for sure. Um, you know, attend courses, right. There's lots of management courses available, but also just reaching out, you know, reaching out and asking someone, um, have a game plan, you know, even if it means post-it notes, even if it means, you know, a a board on the wall, have a plan of how you're going to conduct and adjust as you go learn from it, um, adjust it biannually, yearly, you know, you know, I didn't have a policy in place the first year, it probably took five years, mm-hmm. you know, and things changed, you know, what, what was okay. The first 10 years was not okay. Um, you know, definitely don't ignore the warning signs when you hire a team member, that is not great. Um, and definitely culture cultivate a good team to attract more and more. And you know what, if you lose someone, it's not personal. You know, it's not always personal. Um, especially if you are putting your best out there, it's not always personal and let go and continue on. And that means training. You have to put the work in, you have to have new people ready and, you know, because things will happen, people will leave and, you know, they, they're allowed to fly also. Love that. And now my last question for you is what advice would you give for a seasoned salon owner who's burnt out and at the end of their rope? Reassess because you don't want that rubbing off on your other hairdressers. You know, and if that means changing your business model, you know what, you figure out, do you love hair? Do you not want to be a salon owner? You know, maybe sell the salon to someone in the salon who owns it, you know, um, reassess, reevaluate, figure out what's happening take a break, you know, take a vacation, you know, especially this year, I say to the girls, like, or take, you know, they're like, I need to take a vacation, like take the vacation, you know, and, you know, burnt out could have a lot of different meanings. Sometimes it could mean they're done owning a salon, you know, hire a manager, sell it, come a chair rental, you know, you have to assess where you're at. Sometimes it means less clients. Sometimes it means less clients charging more less days doing more, you know, it could, it could, a full reevaluation has to happen. And sometimes it's not just hair podcasts or hair books. It's just, you know, where are they at in life? You know, they could be emotionally tired and it's coming into the workplace. Totally. That's great advice. Odette. this has just been an amazing 
time to catch up and um, I'm so grateful for your time and I always will look up to you as a mentor. I think that, you know, what you're doing is amazing and your salon has like the best reputation in Connecticut employee base. Like you guys are amazing. You've been around forever and your people are always like always the same. You know what I mean? People there, the consistency, you know, I think that that's huge. And that's something that a lot of salon owners look up to and want, like we all want our staff to stay and we all want to give them what they need to be a part of our team for forever, but nothing's permanent, you know, but it's just like a really great, um, example that you set and you're a great role model. And I thank you for being there for me, um, when you didn't have to be and <laughs> when, you know, it was just kindness of your heart. And I think that that's just who you are and I'm grateful to know you. And I'd love for you to share with everybody, any final thoughts you have, and then where to find you and, um, how to reach out. Well, I, you can find me Solano Odette. Um, that's my Instagram. Um, I am happy to help anyone just reach out. I'm happy to give you my number, my email, talk, FaceTime. I'm happy to help at any given time. Um, but I, you know, I, I have to be honest, you know, thank you for allowing me to tell my story as someone who has been around a while and making me still feel kind of cool. You're cool. Um, I love you. you know, Cause you know, I am 40 something. Um, so it is kind of cool to still be seen, you know, I see um, you. <laughs> you know, cause I'm still trying to be cool and I'm still trying to be relevant as you youngsters say, and I am learning a lot from people like you and I love watching you grow. And, you know, I can't say that I'm not learning from you young lady. <laughs> um, so I can't wait to watch you you know, to see where you're going. And I have always said that girl is a marketing genius. And you know what? You give yourself, you give a lot of yourself and you are relatable. So stay that way because it's working. Will do. I hope I can honor all of my mentors because y'all, I wouldn't be the person I am if it weren't for the people who believed in me and who saw me. So I'm really grateful for you, Odette. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you everyone for listening. Please reach out to her and I hope y'all have an amazing day. The Gina Bianca podcast is brought to you by the Network Mastermind. Mastermind is a group of industry professionals passionate about education, growth, and community. Mastermind includes weekly coaching sessions on Zoom, support from our amazing community, and beauty industry education that is abundant, high quality, and super relevant to the industry today. If you want to learn more about Mastermind, please visit thenetworksalon.com. Hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to the Gina Bianca podcast. This episode is produced by Alora Media.